0: Man, I am so excited about our podcast today because I think it's really a prophetic challenge for all of us. You know, Bonhoeffer challenged the church in his day. He spoke at the church, the cool church, the church where everybody attended on Reformation Day. It was a day every German celebrated, and he just laid a prophetic hammer down uh, to the church, really challenging them if they've lost their first love and to return to Christ and to to stand you know to stand during the times in which they were living and he was concerned that they didn't have the strength to do it and then he asked the question for us today what about the american church have we lost the essence of our passion for christ have we lost truth and the bigger question is do we have the strength and the courage to stand against the challenges that we're facing in our day Uh, And this, I couldn't think of a more prophetic and challenging question than that, because uh, so much is happening in America today, and the real question is, do we have what it takes to to stand? And I pray that we do. You will not want to miss this podcast.
1: Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast.
0: Hey, I just want to say, because we don't say it enough, thanks so much for... Sharing this time with us, listening in, giving us feedback there 's not a week that goes by that somebody uh, i don 't run into somebody who ma- makes a comment or something about uh, how much they appreciate the podcast and some of the things that we 're talking about so thank you guys for uh, for allowing us to do this and thanks for the audience at this building and thanks again for your willingness to share what we 're talking about here uh, you know with your friends um, i 've said before this podcast kind of gives us an opportunity to talk about things that are beyond the scope of the time maybe we have on Sunday morning. I mean, sometimes we get into sermon series to deal with some of these topics, but there's so much happening, so much going on, so many important things to talk about. And, of course, the the whole... Uh, crux of this podcast is that Jesus Christ as Lord has something to say about all of it. And that to me is the exciting aspect of the gospel is that it applies to to all of life. So uh, thanks for letting us have this time to kind of uh, go color outside of the line, so to speak, and talk about issues that maybe uh, other people aren't talking about or that we just simply don't have time on a a given Sunday morning. So uh, by by way of review, we're in this wonderful book by Eric Metaxas, uh, Letter to the American Church. Which, to give you a little background, before Eric ever wrote this book, he wrote this book called Bonhoeffer, a bestseller. It was Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Martyr, Prophet, Spy. This book is awesome, and uh, it's a long read, but it's a powerful read, and I want to encourage you to pick it up. It's worth the time because basically after writing this bestseller, (laughs) I think it dawns on Metaxas like... Wow. The parallels between what happened during the rise of Adolf Hitler and, and the uh, German uh, National Socialistic Party uh, and what's happening in America are eerily parallel. And, um, uh, and so he, this book, Letter to the American Church, really comes out of all the research that he did on Bonhoeffer. And, um, and he's asking the question, I guess the premise of this book is, hey, America— uh, is what happened in Nazi Germany beyond the pale of what could be happening in America today? Yeah. Great question. Uh, and he's attempting to answer that. So let's dive into uh, the chapter today that's called Unless You Repent, and uh, and maybe give a little background. Uh, Bonhoeffer at the time is obviously a very young and brilliant uh, German theologian, and he gets a pretty cool invitation to speak at one of the
1: Leading churches of his day. Yeah, the leading church is like the the church all, all the celebrities went yeah. to, the right? Elites. The elites. elites. <laughs> they show up to church, maybe not so much to receive, but to be seen. Right. you know, this is the red carpet church, you know, the most pull off, and not well, literally, but figuratively. If you're, if you're somebody, this is the church that you go to, <laughs> right? Right. Celebrate Martin Luther, you know, this is Germany. Right. It's, it's Reformation Day. Yeah, and Reformation so Day.
0: Reformation Day. If you're a German, is like Independence Day. If you're an American, yeah, um, it's the celebration of of Martin Luther, celebration of Protestantism, celebration of everything that. Uh, German Lutheranism stands for.
1: I, I have a funny parallel. You know, I don't know if any of you guys watch uh, the Golden Globes. I certainly don't. But a few years ago, uh, Ricky Gervais, when one of the Hollywood elites went up to Golden Globes. <laughs> Go, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. And basically, just like people expect him to do something a normal skit, and he just slammed these ho- Hollywood elites. Right? He just. He, I did he, see he, that video. He made fun of them. He called them out. He says, "No one cares about what you think. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Stop talking about politics. Stop talking." And I wasn't a big fan of Ricky Gervais. That night I was. Right. (laughs) This was a similar setting. Okay, yes, and people are coming to a church, they uh service, they just want to be seen. They could care less about the service. It's just like a formality. <laughs> and and, and this, also in Bonho- I mean uh yeah, Bonhoeffer went up there and he just ripped into people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> this is the church where Hindenburg, the Chancellor of Germany would ten- attend. This was built by Kaiser Wilhelm II in the 1890s. This we're speaking of course uh, of uh the Kaiser Wilhelm Memorial Church, which was, you know, just an architectural wonder i mean mm-hmm. it was it was gorgeous like you said it it was where all the elites would show up because you were somebody if you went to that church yeah. but on this particular um uh sunday as you said uh he pulled a surprise on him because he didn't pull any punches it, he did not focus uh, on uh, reformation day the focus wasn't on luther the focus was on jesus christ yeah. and uh and what was god saying you know to the church of Germany given the swirl of you know the, he he was sensing the um the undercurrents of all of this evil that was being stirred up and I, and I again I I don't know about you but in America today you 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 can pick up on the evil undercurrents we see it in the news everywhere there there we're we're going back to paganism a lot of what um is being pushed in terms of a, a lot of the uh, the gender confusion and everything else has is very pagan in its roots the the worship of mother earth and all the environmental extremism that's happening right now is all very pagan in its roots it's it's like we're there's that evil wicked demonic spirit that's being uh, awakened in the uh, underbelly of America and he could certainly feel that happening in Germany at the time and he's asking the question is the german church Ready for this are we are we ready to stand against what he could sense was coming down the highway you right. know and and I guess we're asking similar questions today Does the church have the DNA do we have the the strength to to withstand? Uh, the challenges of our time?
1: Great question. It's interesting because, you know, I think the title of his sermon was, well, I'm not sure what the title, but he he, he talked about unless you repent. He's talking about in Revelation the, the yeah. letter wrote to the Ephesus church, unless right. you repent. I mean, it's a hard-hitting message yeah. to, to to especially to that type of church at the time, but it's a hard-hitting message for, for any, any church. church. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is a call to search our hearts and say, are we just going through the motions of going to church? Has church church going becomes such a um, societal, yeah. country a, club a ritual, event, yeah. a ritual. Religious ritual. Versus a real sense of a real connection of to listen to the Holy Spirit. Is there something real there? I feel like he was kind of yeah. shaking and saying, hey, are we real or are we just yeah. doing and, something? And,
0: and it's interesting because they're dealing with a, a completely different dynamic uh, than we are in America as it relates to the understanding of church and state. They're in a church that was actually built by the state and we're state and church where to be a Christian was to be a Lutheran and to be a Lutheran was synonymous, you know, with Germany. So you literally have a melding together of church and state working together, um, in a harmonious way for the most part. Um, but a dangerous way because what they don't understand is that the state at any moment can turn because they're, they're one, the state can begin suppressing and attacking, um, the church. And in America, you know, we're dealing with the complete other extreme, the radical, hostile separation of church and state, the separation of church uh, and religion from public life. And so in that regard, the, the environment couldn't have been more opposite, you know, what they were dealing with in their day and what we're facing in our day. But as you know, both the way the pendulum swings, both extremes open up themselves to all kinds of, of you know, t- terrible errors uh, that happen as a result. So, but here you got church and state synonymous. You have Germany and Lutheranism synonymous, and unfortunately, you have Jesus and Lutheranism synonymous, um, where there's really no distinction. So, if you're if you're born in Germany, you're a Christian and you're a Lutheran. And that's what this is what Bonhoeffer is facing on that particular Sunday. Now, a little back history, and, and, and as I share with you, uh, Metaxas' writing here in this book is really what he's looking at as he's writing this book. And so I went back and did a little research in, in the original book here by Bonhoeffer, uh, or on Bonhoeffer. And it's interesting, in 1930 and 1931, prior to, to his famous sermon that we're going to talk about... Mm-hmm. He spent that time in, in America, and he went to study at Union Theological Seminary, which was a liberal uh, bastion at that point. There was a battle going on in America in the 30s between fundamentalism, a belief in the in the fundamentals of scripture, and liberalism, which had kind of rejected um, uh, the scriptures for the most part and taken on kind of a social gospel. And so when when Bonhoeffer arrives at Union, he is appalled. He says, there's no theology here. Uh, he, he's really critiquing the American uh, the theological institution at least as he's tasting it, and and you know if there's anything German German theologians uh, were the the top of the class at that point, and so there was a lot of headiness, a lot you know to say that you studied in Germany under German theologians was a, a big deal if you're a, a, a theologian yourself. Um, but it was that dry kind of lifeless, heartless religion uh, that was all head and no heart. And so while he's in in New York, he visits a, a Baptist Church, uh, predominantly black church in Harlem. And what he encounters there is the strong preaching of the gospel, mm. mixed with this dynamic black worship. And, uh, and so he gets a, a dose of that not only the head again, but but true preaching of the gospel with being Christ centered. And then he gets encountered in his heart with this dynamic, passionate, lively worship, you know, which is not dull, dry, boring, staid worship. It's like passionate, from the heart worship of Jesus, and it radically impacts him. But he also gets a dose of American racism at the time, the segregation that was, you know, in full bloom. And so he's looking at all of these, uh, you know, crazy things that's happening in the American culture and thinking at the time, ironically, could anything like this happen back in Germany, you know, it's kind of the shoe on the other foot. But many people believe that this is where Bonhoeffer actually had a born-again experience or had a spiritual awakening, which would make sense because when he comes back and starts speaking in the church, right, the church in Germany, and goes after a lot of the idols of of, uh, what's going on and the hypocrisy that takes some guts to do that as a twenty-some-year-old, you know, young man. You you would think, hey, don't mess it up. You've just been given the opportunity, right, to to preach in the church, you know. Don't say anything that would offend anybody because you've arrived, you know. You're you're a big shot now, and man, the sky's the limit on your preaching career if you play your cards right. Right. But he comes in like, as you said, he comes in like a prophet, and layers the 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 boom, lowers the hammer and really what he's talking about is um as you mentioned it was a form of christianity without christ and the fiery church of luther was nowhere to be found and um and so uh Metaxas mentions that Bonhoeffer goes on to write in 1937 his famous book, The Cost of Discipleship. Now, this book is still in print today, and I was talking with Pastor Andrew before the podcast began. If you go to most Christian uh, you know, liberal arts colleges in America today, this is probably on your must-read list, or you'll, you'll encounter a class of some sort that will require uh, Bonhoeffer's book called The Cost of Discipleship. So let me, let me give an excerpt um, about uh, where... Uh, Bonhoeffer's coming from here. He talks about the concept of cheap grace. Um, Cheap grace, he writes, is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, uh, absolution without personal confession. He says cheap grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And then he contrasts that with real grace. He says such grace is costly, talking about genuine grace, because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It's costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It's costly because it condemns sin, and it's grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. And he quotes there from 1 Corinthians, You were bought with a price, uh, and what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us all. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. And so he goes right back to challenging two different things in the church of his day. One was a religious formalism that we talked to. It says, God loves you, but basically live as you please. We see a lot of that in the church today. And then the second one is a legalism that says, God loves you, so be a good person. Uh, And I want to just pause there and think about that. You know, Cheap grace is the grace that, that, again emphasizes love emphasizes forgiveness but completely removes the cross and removes sin and removes a call to holiness Um, and I think again the parallels between the German church and the American church are eerily close you know we have a lot of this religious formalism today that just emphasizes, hey man God loves you he loves you just as you are you know we can talk we talk about elements of this are you're, you're broken let's just be real we're all broken so let's just come to the cross but coming to the cross and realizing you're broken isn't enough unless you embrace the cross and embrace the power of grace not only to, to bring you to Jesus but to set you free from the sin that keeps you from Jesus and so here you have a church that's that's full of compromise, full of uh, exterior, you know, uh, religion, but missing the the heart and the passion and the essence of the gospel. And that's what he's prophetically speaking against, as you mentioned, when he gets into this passage from from Revelation uh, chapter two.
1: I mean, was he the one who kind of came up with that phrase "cheap grace"? Yeah. Is that where that that phrase came from? Because we talk about that quite a bit in our culture today. Yeah. You know, I wonder if Bonhoeffer was one. Oh, it was.
0: It, it comes out of his book, Cost of Discipleship, um, because he's contrasting, again, a grace that's without any substance, a grace that's without any uh, deeper commitment, no sacrifice, just a grace that, that's like a whitewa- a whitewashed fence. Oh, God loves you. He forgives you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he, know, he knows you're sinning. Don't worry about it. Um and that 's not grace at all, because, as we know the the cross was incredibly sacrificial; it cost God the death of his son, and grace doesn 't leave us the way God found us it it draws us to the Lord, but then it 's the grace that transforms us and makes us new people, and that we no longer go on we don 't have to stay broken we don 't have to stay in our sin, we don 't have to stay in compromise and, and yet he 's speaking to a church that 's full of compromise uh, and that in fact, at this point we're, we've we 've gone beyond celebrating christ we 're celebrating Luther, but we're celebrating a, a caricature of Luther because it's not the radical Luther that led us to the cross and not the radical Luther that, that took the drastic you know, stand against, uh, of protest against the church at the time uh, and then was willing to lay his life down. This is not the Luther that the Germans are celebrating at this time. It's a, it's a false picture of Luther.
1: I thought it was interesting because even in our culture today, I, I bet most people don't even understand cheap grace came from really the writing of a martyr. Yeah, but but you know we associate cheap grace as something kind of passive. Yeah, I just want to avoid cheap grace. But in his context, cheap grace is what allowed basically the the the, the, the initiation of World war too.
0: Oh, absolutely, and millions of lives, millions of lives. And, absolutely, and I'm
1: not connecting that directly to that, but I'm saying it could is one of the causes. It seems like that cheap grace led to. Um, this devastation to the world. So I, this first time, I'm connecting the dots between cheap grace and the serious consequences.
0: Oh, absolutely! Not only yeah, personally, the prices but of like, cheap
1: grace is not cheap. <laughs> yeah, when, when the
0: church loses the gospel, and that's I think what what he's really going after. When the church loses the essence of the gospel, and we start replacing it with with a you know, and then you and I talked about this, and maybe it's a good place to put a little comma here. Um, it was German nationalism that that uh, Bonhoeffer was concerned with. But it was a nationalism where Lutheranism and and being German were united without Christ. And so there was great pride in Germany and great pride in the church, but not great pride in Christ crucified. And and so, we're, you know, a lot of times people today, they, they talk about um, Christian nationalism, like, you know, rah-rah, and they usually identify Donald Trump with being the, the leader of the pack, right? Right. Um, and, and we probably need to talk about that, Bonhoeffer was not against a German patriotism. As we've talked about in previous podcasts, loving your country is not a bad thing. You should love your country. Uh, but when you love... Your country apart from Christ, or when, or when the gospel, or when true biblical morality, um, or an understanding of church and state from a biblical perspective, and when that's not kept in front of you, then you can get into a false kind of well, we're Americans and we're all Christians and we love our country and we love you know our leader. Right? Uh, in Germany, it would have been Adolf Hitler and German nationalism. And you know, if you're if you're a German, you you love your country and you love the Führer. You know. Um, I think it's been false to try to put Donald Trump up like a Fuhrer-like person. Um, nobody, at least in the circles we run in, worships him as some savior of, of America. Um, but as, as you pointed out, I think we're, America, like Germany, we're sick and tired of business as usual. We're sick and tired of of uh, of... Of watching the way our government runs, which seems so inept and so broken, and I think if we're not careful, we're we're looking for a leader who's going to bypass the democratic processes, which seems so broken and slow, uh, and who's going to you know take a, the bull by the horn, so to speak, so to speak, and rescue America. That's a dangerous scenario for any any politician to step into, but yeah. we've seen that happen globally.
1: Uh, this is a nuanced point because, you know, in Germany, they have a nationalistic tribalism that America doesn't have. So I, I, right, I, because I, we're
0: I, a melting pot. Yeah,
1: I appreciate what Metaxas said. It was in this book. It was a previous book we read. Um, he talked about America was, oh, yeah, it was a previous book, uh, if you can keep it. Yeah. He talks about how America was the first nation that's not found on certain tribalistic. Uh, right, pr- we're not
0: French or Germans right, or... Yeah.
1: It's founded on ideals, and so I guess another way you can phrase it is that again, this is gets kind of nuanced. But America's tribalistic should be around the ideal of freedom, but but, but not just freedom because we talk about the Golden Triangle before. Right. I'm going back to other podcasts, yeah. right? But,
0: hey, but, which but is a good jumping-off place. Go back and listen to you you so gotta, many yeah, of these podcasts each
1: other because freedom is founded on virtue. And virtue is founded on faith or religion right. or or really the gospel yeah. or the, the, the scriptures, Absolutely. right? So in many ways, based on that reasoning, the tribalistic, I don't even know that's the right word, what America should be about, the, the, the ideals of America is really founded on, on freedom, which is tied to virtue, which is t- tied to faith. So in by that argument, the gospel is intrinsically re- evolved, uh, revolved around what america the virtue should be right so so that's why i think it's different from germany because what america is is not white people black people asian people whatever is around it should be around the ideals right. of of freedom but which f- came self-government, from the scriptures. which came from the scriptures yeah. and i have no problem saying you know what that's what our our what we should be america should be wrapped around those ideals yeah. and we're not judging people based on skin colors or gender or whatever but it should be like do you adhere to those principles right. if you don't adhere why do you call yourself America? and you know? and this
0: is what we you know while they're having reformation day you know we have freedom sunday at our church anyway uh, around the 4th of july this that this has been exactly you're trying to you're capturing my heart uh, to say, hey, wait a minute, let's celebrate the Fourth of July and let's celebrate America and let's celebrate, let's blow off some fireworks and let's have some hot dogs and hamburgers and cookouts and be with friends. And in fact, our founding fathers said, please do that. But to do all of that and have a big America fest, apart from getting to the roots of why America is who we are and going all the way back to Jesus and the gospel leaves it kind of ringing hollow. It's like all the boom of the firework, and you're going, why are we lighting off fireworks? You've forgotten why we're even, you're even right. doing that. And I think that's what he was saying, only he's, he's seeing some of this evil undercurrents again arising, and he's going, wait a minute, church. We're having this big celebration here that has absolutely become meaningless because it's a shell Without the substance, uh, and he's taking them on, and I want to get to, to some of his actual quotes here. But, but you mentioned his text, and I'm going to read it right now. He gets up and he reads from Revelation chapter two, uh, verses four and five. But I have this against you, the Lord says, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you, and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So he's basically saying to, to the German church, he's speaking like a prophet, although he probably wouldn't have used that language. But he says, look, if you don't recognize where you are, how far you've fallen from the days of, of Luther, um, God's going to judge the German church just like he, he was going to judge the church at Ephesus. And, of course, by extension, Metaxas is saying, America, if you don't repent and you don't wake up and you don't understand from where you've fallen and you don't return to your first love, is it too far-fetched to believe that God would actually judge the American church the same way he judged the German church the same way he judged the, the church at Ephesus? Yeah. And, of course, Metaxas' answer is, no, it's not too far-fetched. We need to wake up and we need to understand the precarious days in which we live. And and this was what... what um, uh, Bonhoeffer was, was the dot he was connecting. He says, and I'm quoting here, in celebrating, quote, Reformation Day, Luther, and Lutheranism, uh, there were to some, they were to some extent celebrating themselves, but Bonhoeffer in his sermon meant to get them to see the infinitely less flattering truth of the matter. And this is what he said, Protestantism is not about us and our protest against the world but rather about God's protest against us. And he quotes here what the Lord says to the church, but I have this against you. So his point was we they were celebrating Luther and Protestantism, the break off of Catholicism, right? Protestants were protesters, and they were celebrating themselves. And he says, no, no, no. Protestantism isn't about you celebrating yourselves. It's about God protesting who you are and what you become. Wow, talk about yeah. talk about uh, messing up the party. Yeah, those I mean, are some strong and words. He's
1: essentially saying, we you another Reformation, the the, the the initial Reformation has kind of." Uh, been been uh, expired yeah. to run its course. To run its course, there needs to be a new reformation of our hearts of the church, because institutionalized the church has become very much probably very similar to yeah. what Luther was protesting against. Absolutely. Guessing, we're, we're, yeah. we're celebrating
0: <laughs> the prophets of old, but we've lost their prophetic zeal in our own hearts. Yeah. And listen, I, this is a quote. But are we, He says, but we are still pretending, aren't we? When it comes down to it, we know very well that it is not about quote a mighty fortress which is the song you know famous hymn written by luther nor about quote here i stand this is not the protest we're talking about we know full well about god's protest against us and we know that most of all on the reformation day god is out in force against us wow so go back here to uh to the a couple of allusions in his sermon a mighty fortress uh, Luther penned these words: "A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper He, amid the flood of mortal ills, prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, uh, cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. And he, he goes on in four stanzas talking about this." battle spiritual battle between righteousness truth between christ and his kingdom and between satan and his kingdom and uh, the german church would have known this by heart and and sang it on reformation day and then he goes on and talks about luther's famous quote when he stood before uh, the diet of worms and uh, he says my conscience is captive to the word of god thus i cannot and will not recant Because acting against one's conscience is neither safe nor sound. Here I stand; I can do no other. God help me! I mean, literally, he is saying, "My my uh, conscience is captive to the word of God, and I would rather die uh, than recant what I believe the Scriptures are teaching." So he's saying, "Here we are celebrating Luther and celebrating his famous, singing his famous hymn." And we are so far away from the the true heart of what he stood for, and again, I think this this you know, I'm not sitting up here, neither are you, on some you know high pedestal, speaking down to the church in America. We are the church in America, and I think looking at at Bonhoeffer's powerful words to the church of Germany, and then applying it and saying, you know what? Where are we as a church in America? Have we lost our prophetic inheritance you know when we look at the founding of this nation when we look about the first great awakening second great awakening and uh and the radical sacrifice no king but jesus you know that led to the founding of this nation uh it's sobering to pause here on this podcast and say lord you know we know there's need for an awakening we know there's need for repentance god may we not ever lose the essence of the prophetic church that you called us to be, um, and so I, you know, I'm taken aback by uh, by his words uh, in terms of self-examination. Even this morning, he says this. He goes on in this message. I'm quoting directly from that sermon. But we don't want to admit it either to ourselves or to the world. We are afraid we would look foolish in the eyes of God and the world if we admitted any such thing. That's why we make so much noise on this day, October 31st hammering wrong ideas into the hands of thousands of school children only so that they don't notice our weakness so that we can forget it ourselves he says no our time has run out for such solemn church feast days on which we put on an act for ourselves let's stop celebrating the reformation that way let us lay the dead luther to rest at long last wow and instead, listen to the gospel, reading his Bible, hearing God's own word in it. At the last judgment, God is certainly going to ask us not, have you celebrated Reformation Day properly, <laughs> but rather, have you heard my word and kept it? Wow, can you imagine, this came, This probably came like a, th- a hammer <laughs> in that congregation that day. And of course, his plea was not, you know, here I am to stir things up, but church, can you hear... Can you hear the call to repent, and can you you see how far we've fallen, and will we return to the gospel? If not, what's going to happen in our country? Uh, And, of course, we're we're able to sit as kind of uh, armchair quarterbacks and looking back and go, wow, uh, look at what happened indeed, because as you pointed out earlier, their failure to hear this message and to repent led to the slaughter of millions of lives. Um, That's a pretty sobering thought. And so we wonder, where is America headed? You know. Uh we've got another election coming up and, and I, I hope number one we don't fall for the fact that national elections are the answer to all of our problems we know they're not. And yet the flip side is we can't some people say, you know, why you have confidence in you know in the election? You should have confidence only in Jesus. It goes hand in glove. You know we need godly leadership. Government is created by God. We shouldn't just throw all that away. It doesn't matter really who's leading us. You know don't even vote. Uh, let's just pray for revival. Well, that's not true either. It does matter who's leading us. Um, but we do need to do both. We we don't need to make an idol out of American elections or the presidential election or any party. Uh, but at the same time. Um, we need to hit the ground and uh, hit our knees and just say lord help us and, and uh, revive us and get us get our hearts right yeah. with you again
1: i mean i think every sphere of influence we have we need to examine ourselves whether it's your sphere of being a husband or a sphere of being a father yep. you look within that sphere and say have i let ritual ritualism take the place of my duties as a disciple of jesus christ you know, have I make rituals out of my families instead of really loving them and, and, and right. stewarding them? As a business owner or as an employee, am I doing that? Well, look at your sphere of influence as a pastor, but we all have a sphere of influence of at least voting because, you know, we're citizens of this nation. That is within our sphere. In every sphere, we got to consider right. a degree of consecration, well, total consecration and say and look at ourselves ask ourselves that question. So for people to say, well, if we get voting or whatever, it's like that is a... Throughout history, few people had this privilege of being right. able to vote, right? We've right. been given that sacred duty. We need yeah. to consecrate that duty, yeah, just let's, like let's our not, duties.
0: Not, that's a good word. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, be responsible in every arena that you can to to promote Christ and promote Christian values, but do it not out of an empty, you know. I'm a, I'm an American, therefore I'm a Christian, just like the, the Germans said. I'm a German, therefore I'm a Lutheran. No, no, no. You know, I, I guess we need to ask this question. You know, um, are we going through the religious motions? You know, um, are you just showing up to church, punching your time clock? Uh, doing what good citizens do, right, respectable citizens? Are you going to the respectable church and being seen by respectable business community or whatever, uh, or money people or elite people or whatever? Or is there a genuine fiery passion in our hearts for Christ, um, when we worship our you know I like to say, are you going to church or are you going to worship jesus you know we don 't go to church like we go to the mall or we go to a restaurant or we go to Costco you know we, we go to the, we go to the building that we call our home church. And not to go to church, but to be the church, to be the worshiping church, to celebrate Christ, to make sure that His Word is, is alive and active in our hearts and not just uh, some external form of godliness. Uh, and I think that no matter where you are and what church you go to, wherever in the world you go to, the the Lord says, Hey, you're worshiping me, but your your lips are going through the motion, but your heart is far from me. Yes. And I think, boy, you know, I just want to pause during this podcast and ask our listeners, as we're asking ourselves, you know, where where are our hearts at this moment with Jesus? Uh, is the radical nature of what it means to be a Protestant, you know, of, of which we are a part of, the, of Luther's legacy, are we willing to stand and say, you know what, here I am. I'm not going to recant what I believe. I'm captive to the Word of God. I believe the Scriptures. I'm applying the Scriptures. Jesus Christ is Lord, and come hell or high water, I am not going to uh, compromise my passionate commitment, my conviction as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not going woke. I'm not embracing the culture. I'm not letting the culture rewrite the Bible. Um, We're going to stand boldly and passionately uh, for Christ in our day, even as Luther did in his day. Uh, These are some some powerful, powerful things to think about. And I I just want to say this, you know, Metaxas looked at the at the carnage that was Nazi Germany, and and the the total that that took on the world, as you mentioned, costing millions and millions of lives, and he says, God, if God forbid that that is ever replayed, um, and he's asking, Hey, Church in America, are you seeing where you're at? Uh, and it's is it too late, or can we actually stop and come and repent and come alive? And I guess that's the question
1: that's. That she have to be here? It's interesting because, you know, every institution—I'm talking about world religions, I'm talking about higher education, I'm talking about social institutions—all, in general, throughout history, gets conformed to whatever the larger culture is, conformed to whatever um, the power at be says. I mean, that's just the nature of the world. The, the difference should be the difference for the, the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, is that we have an external disruptive force called the Holy Spirit that says, <laughs> wait, 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 everyone's going down this way, but you ought not to go that way. I don't blame the institution, the, 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 the higher education, for example, for going down that path, because what do they got? They're just going—they're following the ways of the world, Right, right. But the church is, is the light of the world because we have a different voice that says, you know what, that path is not the path to go. In fact, our leader says, you know, narrows the path, narrows, narrows the exactly. gate, right? So, So if the church doesn't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to say we're going the wrong direction. We're not expecting other people to say that. We can't expect other people to exactly. say it. We have to be the disruptive. So is being a disruptive force. Bonhoeffer is a disruptive force. And disruptive force is annoying. No one wants to hear it. You're going down 100 miles an hour. You don't want someone to say, oh, is it the right way? By nature, we don't like that, right? Well, and the, you're right. And look at, look at
0: what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, he said you guys build all these, these monuments, memorials, to the very pr- prophets that you celebrate today, but that your forefathers murdered. Yeah, and that's what disruptive voices get. They, <laughs> they get murdered. Right. Um, they they if and if not murdered physically, they get their reputations murdered. Right. So here they're, they're celebrating Luther, right? Who paid the ultimate price, um, and yet they they're not willing to walk in his footsteps and i think that's the challenge of the church in america i mean we're looking at jesus we're looking at the apostles we're looking at all the heroes of faith who stood counter-cultural and and were disruptive and and i just want to say again you know because we talked about in our last podcast you know i hope we're not going to a global pandemic you know part two the sequel you know um like we find at the movie theaters because um there were very few disruptive voices in the Church of Jesus Christ during the last episode of the horror movie called Global Pandemic. There were there were very few disruptive voices and I think that's what we're making a plea for in this podcast is church awaken get your sense of prophetic bearing on what's happening get a sense of prophetic courage back in the pulpit to speak on these issues deal with our own idols make sure that there's a genuine passion in our hearts i i think make sure our heads and our hearts are wedded together the word and the spirit uh so that we have the force of speaking the truth but speaking it with with hearts that are full of genuine authentic love for christ and and when you have that you're 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 a disruptive force you're dangerous you're a prophetic voice and uh and we as you pointed out the church has got to be that thermostat we're not the thermometer we're not just we're not reading what the culture's saying what what temperature the culture is we're the thermometer that says this is where we need to be we need to be on hot for Christ we need to be passionate for Christ we need to get back to being that, that thermostat um, that God's called us to be and that disruptive voice in our culture today before it's too late. Now, we'll end with this because we run out of time, but, but uh, Metaxas points out that that church, the exact pulpit where Bonhoeffer stood on that Sunday, on Reformation Sunday, 11 years later, was bombed by Allied forces. And today, if you go to Germany, uh, all that remains is the steeple, and what is attached to it is this ugly postmodern cold uh, building, uh, church, for lack of a better word, that is but was attached to this glorious, you know, beautiful architectural wonder and and it's a it's a prophetic reminder that if the church fails to be the church, that the gates of hell will prevail against us, and all that will be left is this ugly, broken, Remains of what was once a beautiful, thriving, vibrant movement is now just this empty architectural shell, uh, completely gutted, um, and that's a that is such a powerful picture of what lies ahead for the Church of Jesus Christ if we fail to, to if we promote cheap grace, and we fail to stand for the truth. Mm-hmm. So Lord, help us. Let, let, let's pray, Lord. We just uh, commit ourselves to being that kind of church—a disruptive, but loving powerful force for righteousness and truth in the earth today. God, may what happened in Nazi Germany and may what happened in the uh, Lutheran Church in Germany not happen in America. Lord, revive your pulpit. Revive uh, pastors. Revive your people. uh, And bring about another reformation of righteousness in America today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us. We look forward to seeing you all next Thursday.